0: The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. Um, www.cbcaurora.com If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. We have all been there, exhausted from the daily grind. We've all been overwhelmed by expectations from work and family and social commitments needing the peace and quiet of a nice, structured jail cell. Wait, what? Um, uh, The Mockingbird blog, (laughs) they noted a story about a mock prison where inmates will pay $90 to spend 24 hours in solitary confinement away from all phones, clocks, and people. Photographer Kim, um, Kim Hong-ji shows inmates meditating and resting, depositing cell phones into baskets. The facility is called The Prison Inside Me. And the name seems telling that the self could be such a prison that we might need to utterly lock down in an actual prison to actually get some rest. One, in, one of the inmates said, I was too busy. And she sat in a 54-square-foot cell. She says, I shouldn't be here right now given all the work that I still need to do, but I decided to pause and look back at myself for a better life. The clients of this prison get a blue prison uniform. They get a yoga mat. They get a tea set, a pen, and a notebook. They sleep on the floor. There's a small toilet inside the room but no mirror. The menu includes steamed sweet potato and a banana shake for dinner and rice porridge for breakfast. The co-founder, Noah ji said that the mock prison was inspired by her husband, a prosecutor who often put in 100-hour work weeks. He said he would rather go into solitary confinement for a week to take a rest and feel better. She said that was the beginning. So, the question is, has our world got that busy and that chaotic that people could actually go to prison for 24 hours and feel better? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) uh, One of the customers... They say at first they're weary of spending 24 to 48 hours in a prison cell until they try it. They do it, and they say, this is not a prison. The real prison is where I go back to when I get out. Wow. And many of us today, we can relate to this. Do we actually feel like if we really think about it, sitting in a prison would be a time of peace Away from everything. Life is super chaotic these days. There are places to go. People to see. People to avoid. A time to get paranoid. Deadlines to meet. Children to pick up. Something after something after something. And every so often, like to, I like to check in with some of my retired friends. My friends who are retired from their job, who've been working their whole life for this moment, for them to be retired, and most of them say that they're more busy now than they were when they were working. <laughs> I heard a lot of amens here this morning. I can't remember all the circumstances of this, but one of my busy friends, one time was, he was telling me that he was stuck at his hotel Uh, for a couple of days because there was a really big storm. And he didn't bring his charger for his phone or for his computer because he was supposed to just go in and he was supposed to fly back that same day, but got stuck at the hotel because of a storm. And so he didn't have his charger. And so he pretty much ran out of juice by that first night and he was there for a couple of days. And the other thing, because of the storm, he wasn't allowed to leave his hotel room. He had to stay in his hotel. Well, he could walk around in the hotel uh, in certain places, but for the most part, he had to stay in his hotel room. He told me that all he did was sleep and read his Bible. He said he got more rest and more refreshment than any time off that he's ever had, any vacation or any sabbatical. Wow. But the one thing he said that he was surprised with is that he was able to let go. See, one of the reasons why we cannot have peace in our life when everything is just chaotic, one of the reasons why we can't have peace is because we don't know how to let go. This is big. We don't know how to let go. Have you ever heard the saying, you need to let go and let God I used to hear that all the time uh, growing up. I was a pretty stressed out young man. Let go and let God, chain. But here's the thing. Have you ever tried and found out just how hard it is to let stuff go? See, it seems easy for us to think, hey, you know what? Let go and let God. Just let it go and let God take care of it. But man, that is one of the hardest things to do. It's really hard to do that. Many times I feel like the reason why I can't sleep is because I can't stop my mind from going. You ever you ever in that position where you're trying to sleep at your mind just and you're just trying to stop the mind from thinking. You just can't. And every night when I pray, I say, you know what, God, take it all. I let it go. It's all in your hands. God, it's all for you. So I let go. I give it to God. And somehow, some way, I take it back by the time my head hits the pillow. And it's all back. And I'm back trying to figure out how I'm going to get through this how I'm going to get around this, how are we going to get through this issue, what's going to happen here, what's going to happen there, how am I going to do this, i got to figure things out, and then here's the deal, I'm up all night trying to figure things out, I wake up the next morning still haven't figured anything out, but now I'm super tired trying to figure things out. Chaos! It's just chaotic. I mean, sometimes at, at, at night it's like my body is just, but my mind is like... Just going and going, like the Energizer Bunny. But today, as we rest on our Advent theme, peace, it is amazing how we, with God, can have peace even when there's chaos around us. You know, I think sometimes we feel like we can have peace if I can just get rid of the chaos. You know, if I can just get rid of all the stuff that's happening around me, if I can just put that to the side, I can sit here on the beach in Kokomo with my virgin margarita, Southern Baptist, sitting on the, hmm, is that my phone? Some, some, somebody's, oh, it's my watch. It's talking to me. Sorry. The watch was like, that's a great idea, Shane. When are we going? We can do that and be at peace if we can just get all the stuff around us to stop. If I can figure out a way to get the noise to stop. If I can figure out a way to get all the things in my life that stress me out, if I can get them to stop, then Shane, I can be at peace. But that's one of the extraordinary things about Christians, about Christianity today. Today, if you are a Christian, did you know that you are able to have peace even when the world is falling apart around us? We can. We can have peace. There is a lot of unrest around us, sure. You just watch the news at night. There's a lot of unrest. We're faced, Christians, we're faced with a lot of difficulty. One of the things that I'm finding that at an extraordinary rate, people are falling out of the church. People are just not going to church anymore. People are walking away from Christianity in droves, family, in droves there 's a lot of unrest there 's a lot of things that are happening around us, faced with difficulty, faced with trials, faced with suffering, even faced with death, we as Christians can walk with peace in our hearts. A story is told uh, one, of my, one of my favorite stories that I, that i 've heard uh, you know throughout my life and, and you know, even studied it at, at, at length in Bible college. But um, it's a story that's told about Perpetua and Felicity. I'm sure many of you have heard that, this story about young noble women and her a noble woman, Perpetua, and her slave, Felicity. They were martyred for their faith in AD 203 under Emperor Severus. At the time of their arrest, do you know that Perpetua actually had an infant son? And Felicity was pregnant. While she was in prison, Perpetua wrote about the circumstances leading up to her death in a diary. In her diary, Perpetua described an interaction that happened with her father as he came and he begged her to recant. Just tell everybody that you're not a Christian. Just do that. Think of your infant son. Think of Felicity. Think of her unborn child. Think that. Just tell them you're not a Christian. Just recant. Well... She, and she wrote in her diary, she said this, while we were still under arrest, my father, out of love for me, was trying to persuade me to shake my resolution. Father, said I, do you see this vase here, for example? Yes, I do, said he. And I told him, could it be called by any other name than what it is? And her father said no. Well, so too I cannot be called anything other Than what I am, I am a Christian. Prior to their arrest, the women had been studying the scriptures and were preparing for baptism. And while they were in prison, their uh, uh, teacher, who was in prison with them, baptized them. And the story goes that the prison warden witnessed the whole thing. And he was so inspired by their faith that he converted to Christianity. Now, as a penalty for professing the name of Christ, Perpetua and Felicity were sentenced to death. Yet, the writer says this, yet with God's peace in their hearts, they remained serene in the face of their fate. A note from the editor of Perpetua's diary, he writes this, the day of their victory dawned. I love how he said that. He said the day of their, he didn't say the day of their death. The day of their victory dawned. And they marched from the prison to the amphitheater joyfully as though they were going to heaven. With calm faces, trembling, if at all, with joy rather than fear. Perpetua went along with shining countenance and calm step as the beloved of God, as a wife of Christ, putting down everyone's stare by her own intense gaze. Absolutely amazing when he's recounting their actual walk from their prison cell to the amphitheater where they were going to die, and they walked with peace. They walked serene, they walked confident, they walked with joy. And so it says that Perpetua and Felicity were finally thrown into the arena with the wild animals, but they were not killed. Tragically, though, the Emperor Severus then commanded that they be put to death by the sword. Family, this is the power of peace. Look at all that. Look at all the circumstances they had. I always think about this. Number one, their father was begging them. I mean, it's your, your family. It's your dad. Your dad is begging and pleading with you to recant. And then what's the other thing? Think of your son. You have family. You've got responsibilities. You've got people who love you. You've got people who depend on you. Can you think about that? T- don't tell me that these two ladies did not have distraction. The, the, the story goes, though, that Felicity actually gave birth while she was in prison. So Felicity actually had a newborn baby. She had responsibilities. There were things in her life that were super important. But she said, I cannot be called by anything other than Christ. This is the thing that gets me all the time. Today, today, how many of us are actually willing to give up our lives for Christ? That's what I wonder all the time. I mean, I know that many of us, we're quick to say that, Oh yeah, no, man, if it came down to it, I would totally give my life to Christ. Yet we faced one moment of suffering and we're already walking away from Him. The reason why we don't, family, is because we don't have peace. This is the power of peace. We can overcome the valley of the shadow of death if we have peace. We will not fear because we have peace. But how is it that we can have peace? We get peace because of the good news. The baby born in the manger, Christ the Lord has come. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 15. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 15. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and I pray that your word will penetrate our hearts. Give us an undivided heart, that I may fear your name. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the only thing we're going to look at today is how we can receive peace that comes from the good news of Jesus and how the gospel not only brings peace, but transcends, but not just transcends, but gives us life and life more abundant. Our thesis statement today is this, though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to fall into more and more unrest and struggle, it is the truth of the scriptures and the power of the Holy Spirit that will cause us to see and know the peace of God in our hearts and life and life more abundant in Christ. So point number one, the gospel of peace, the peace that comes from the good news of Jesus. So here's just a quick backdrop of the passage of scripture that we're looking at. How important are our feet when it comes to battle? In other words, how important are our feet when it comes to fighting? So here's the thing, Um, for those of you that know that me and my family, we train at an MMA gym. Essentially, we train to learn how to fight, and one of the things in there is kickboxing. Now, one of the first things we focus on when you come to kickboxing, believe it or not, we focus on our feet before we even start to focus on punching and kicking. See, we think of kickboxing as just punching and kicking, but what we don't realize is just how important our feet are when it comes to fighting. This isn't something new. This is something that has been passed on from generation to generation when it comes to fighting battles and having victory. Feet, footwork. This is the most important piece when it comes to a battle. If you, uh, How you move your feet and being able to have a strong foundation is what will factor in. You're not just moving your, it's not just moving your feet, but it's how you're doing your feet. Do you know that now it's at the time when when we're actually sparring at the gym, when we're actually, you know, fake fighting and all that kind of stuff. You know what I focus on when I'm fighting? I focus on your feet and I'm doing every single thing that I can to knock you off balance. Because if I can knock you off balance, then I can knock you out. (laughs) I don't actually do that. It's normally the other way around. But... I'm always messing with your feet. If you ask my wife, when I spar with my wife, that's the first thing I'm doing is I'm ripping at her feet. I'm trying to get her off balance. I repeat this in my mind all the time. No feet, no fight. One of my coaches, when I was sparring, he used to come and I'm actually sparring with someone. He used to actually come and he would say, freeze. And I would freeze. Wherever I was, I had to freeze. And he would come and he would push me to find out if my feet was in place. Okay, there's a point to all this. Watch this. Okay, to see if I would. So if I'm here, and if I, I took a step here, and I threw. He said, "Freeze!" And I froze. And then he would come, and he would push me, and I would go. And he would be like, "You're out of position again." Feet, footwork. It's super important for us to be able to stand and to not fall when it's time to fight. This is the point of the passage. Dr. Kent Hughes, he writes this, the spiritual lesson here is perfectly clear. It is the gospel of peace. The peace that comes to us in and through the gospel makes us immovable in battle. Feet, the gospel of peace. Peace is our feet. Feet. It's the thing in our life that's going to keep us from being able to be moved and pushed around when it comes to battle. Now, here's the thing that we've got to understand, especially in our culture today. I don't know where you've been or where you've been hiding if you don't think that we don't have a battle before us today. If you are a Christian today, you should be fighting right now. Oh my gosh, you should be fighting You should be standing up for the gospel of Jesus. You should be withstanding all onslaught that's coming from media, from society, from people, from your next door neighbor. We should be able to stand in the face of that. Not only that, but family, we are called, we are commanded to pull down strongholds for us to destroy any argument that will come against the knowledge of Christ. Well, people will say, well, man, well, Shane, man, when I became a Christian, you know, I, I was hoping that I was going to chill. You know, life was supposed to be chill after I became a Christian. When I look at the Bible and I look at the things that the Lord has given us when we, when we became Christian, what the Lord has given us, I didn't see a, a, a love seat, I didn't see air conditioning. You know, I didn't see, you know, massage tables or visits to the chiropractor paid for by heaven. I didn't see, God didn't give us those things. Do you know what God gave us when we became Christians? He gave us armor. Why in the world would he do that? Family, it's a battle. And the thing that's going to keep us foundational, the thing that's going to keep us firm, the thing that's going to keep us standing, the thing that's going to keep us from being moved, keep us from falling, is peace. And we're able to do this. We're able to do this. We are ready for battle and advance because we have peace through the gospel of Jesus. We have to have peace to be ready. This is the reason why many of us are losing battles today on a daily basis is because we don't have peace of mind and we don't have the peace of God in our hearts. So if we don't have peace of mind, we don't have the peace of God in your heart, you don't have good feet. How in the world are you supposed to fight if you don't have good feet? If you don't have peace, you can't fight. If you can't fight, you're going to fall. You're going to fail. We have to have peace. No feet. No fight. No peace. No power. But maybe it's because we're looking for peace in all the wrong places. Because this peace only comes from resting our lives on the gospel of Jesus. Why? Because there is no peace apart from Christ. None. And people have been trying to do this for centuries trying to find peace apart from Christ and you cannot have it you cannot get it you will not get it there is no peace apart from Christ family and this peace comes from hearing the gospel living our lives on the gospel i mean some people be like hey Shane you know why you preach the gospel every single week because you can't get peace without hearing the gospel this is why i preach the gospel every single week why because the gospel is our foundation the gospel is our source it's God- not to be our motivation. It is our power. Did you know that the law of God tells us where to go? The gospel helps us to get there. You tried getting there by yourself? Can't do it, can you? The gospel is how we're going to get there because the gospel is the power, not the law. The law kills. The gospel has got to be the reason for our growth and our energy. If, if, any, if we do anything of our, in our lives, doing anything to try to, bring, uh, uh, to try to please God or try to satisfy God, try to fulfill the law, try to do that, if we are doing it for any other reason than our motivation from the gospel, it is works righteousness and it's an affront to the Lord. It's got to be the gospel. That's why I preach the gospel every single week. It's got to be. And here's the thing that we're seeing in this passage of scripture. You need peace if you're going to fight. Here's a bigger one. You need peace if you're going to fight and win. (laughs) You know, I know a lot of guys that go out there because they just want to fight because they fight, but they never win, but they fight. My friend in high school got into fights all the time. He never won, but he was in fights. The intention of fighting is to win. You're not going to do it without peace. And peace comes from the gospel of Jesus. That's what we're seeing here. The gospel of Jesus. The celebration of all that Christ has said and all that Christ has done because there is no peace apart from Christ and nowhere else. Very well declared here. Romans chapter five, verse one. Romans five, one. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So Shane, what does that mean? Well, I don't need to get all exegetical on you we don't have to parse this from the Greek we don't have to go through centuries of of commentaries and and theology books to come to the answer of what this means what does this mean it means there is no peace apart from Christ so just in case this week you're walking you're shopping you're doing all this stuff and you walk by you know uh, I don't know what what's a comfort thing C's do they still have C's candy? Or is that done? There's still C's candy? Okay, good, good, good. I, I, I still am like addicted to those lollipops, you know? And you're, you're walking in, in the mall and everything is all chaotic and everything is, is all bad. And you're walking and you see C's and you go, ah, oh, there's the peace I need. I'm going to have some Peace. The UNCs, you get that lollipop, you're walking around, the lollipop is gone. And you know what? The funniest thing happens when the lollipop is gone. All the chaos that I had before the lollipop came back. If we do get peace in any other way than Christ, I'll tell you this right now. It won't last long. Even if you're getting it, it won't last long. One of my friends, uh, uh, he's, he, he, um I don't know if he's still, but I don't know. We're still. We're we're praying for him. We're helping him. But you know, he does drugs all the time. And the thing is, is that he does drugs. And he was honest with me one day. He does drugs because he just can't stand his life. He hates his life. He hates life. He hates his family. He hates everything. So drugs is one of those things where he gets to escape. So anytime real life starts to hit, he starts Jones and all this kind of stuff. And I said, yeah, but you know what's really interesting about that? It's like when the high is gone. The problem still remains, doesn't it? Yeah, Shane, I know, I know. Because anything that we're trying to do to bring an end to the chaos apart from Christ, it's only temporary. I mean, and I have known people, people who who say, say that they have had they have um, real uh, peace in their hearts um, when, when they became a Christian. And, and, and here's the thing, but, but before we get there, this is the thing. They, they say that they, that they have peace, but they don't have real peace in their hearts when they try to find it apart from Christ. You know, here's the thing. This is another thing that we can see, too. We feel it. We can be around many people. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this. You can be around a ton of people, and you can have a ton of people in your life, yet for some reason you still feel alone. It's a weird thing. You still feel alone. We feel it in a real direct sense because sometimes no matter what we do, no matter what we say, no matter what we read, no matter what we try to trust in, when we go through life, there's just always this feeling inside that there is something wrong. There's just something not right with life today. Something's really, really wrong. Why? Because there's no peace apart from Christ. The brilliant philosopher Albert Camus even said that in the end, after all you've explored everything, you've explored exhausted all ways, of pieces of knowledge, starting of knowledge, anything that you can get, doesn't matter what you've done, what you've experienced, what you have, what you've accumulated in life. The only logical thing to do in this merry-go-round of life is to commit suicide. Because he comes to the conclusion that life as we know it, just as it is, there's just no point in living. There's no point to it. He says, so what people will do is they'll actually commit suicide or they'll commit mental suicide and start doing crazy things like believing in God. And in our culture... A lot of times we're too lazy to pursue it, and we wait passively, yet desperately wait for peace to just fall into our lap. (laughs) Right? That's our culture today. We're our culture, we we just want to sit back and just wait for all the blessings of God to just fall in our lap. You know? And if we can't, we're just waiting for the time where we can get it through the internet. You know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm positive Apple or Microsoft or one of those companies is going to invent electric piece. When you pay $59.99 a month and you get it emailed directly to you. Here's your piece. Oh, okay, thank you for the piece. Pursue it actively. Many of us will pursue it actively, not just passively, but we'll pursue it actively. Desperately, wildly, irresponsibly, hoping that it will come through money or sex or the accumulation of knowledge, experiential exploration, chemical abuse, drugs, alcohol, witchcraft, porn, physical, visual stimulation, social distractions, and anything that will cause us to escape. But all we ever find is it was just temporary relief. Just temporary. And the one thing that stays constant. <laughs> we, 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 do the, we do these things to distract ourselves, but the one thing that stays constant all the time. You know what that is? Our problems. <laughs> when the dust settles, our problems are still standing there. Oh well you 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 got to escape for, you know, a couple of hours, but guess what's standing there when you get home? But not only that, your problems are still there, but now you're dehydrated, now you're hungover, and now you're sitting at the toilet sticking your face in some place where your face doesn't belong. (laughs) That's what you've won, on top of all the problems. And for many of us, our problems are time-sensitive. So the problem, all of a sudden, looks bigger than it was, before we even started to escape. wow! Why do we keep doing this? Did you know that we don't even have to do this? Solomon already tried it for us. Solomon says, humanity, humanity, I'm going to do you a huge favor. I'm going to do you a solid. I'm going to go experience all of these things that you think is going to make you happy. I'm going to go do it, and I'll give you my report later. And then we get the book of Ecclesiastes where he tried everything under the sun. Anything and everything he could do to make himself happy, to feel peace, and to feel satisfied. And with all his exploits, all these things on earth, he is saying nothing in this world is going to give you the peace and satisfaction you are looking for. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get it, so don't even try it. But that's how we are, aren't we? Some people gotta learn the hard way. Shane, I am begging you. This is Solomon talking to me. Shane and not not literally, but Shane, I am begging you. I've done this already. Don't do it. If you put your hand on the hot stove, it's going to burn you. I don't know. It's kind of pretty. It's all shiny, it's glowing red. Whatever is on there is burning up into, I I don't know, Solomon, if I believe you. Maybe I should touch it to see. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Especially when it comes to the accumulation of wealth. Why is that? We know the Bible warns us all the time about a lot of money. It warns us all the time about how it can be a snare. It warns us how it can put you in a place where you're not dependent on God. It, it warns you about all these evil things that are going to happen if you love it. All of these things. We have all these warnings about money, 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 money. And what's the thing that we think that's going to make all our problems go away? Money. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's just I keep thinking like I wish someone would make a meme about somebody with all this money in their hands, but yet burning in hell for eternity, Good job. (laughs) You got a lot of money. Good job. Why do we do this? I have uh, have a lot of friends. Many of you have friends that are wealthy. I I wouldn't necessarily characterize their life as being peaceful. (laughs) The other thing, I wouldn't characterize their lives as being people who are satisfied either. It's uh, It's just not enough. One of my friends I keep talking about, like... You know, how much longer are you going to do this for, man? You're just pedal to the metal, man. You've got hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank. You don't give any to me. What are you doing getting all of that money? When is it enough? I don't know. Maybe just another $100 million more. And then when he gets to $100 million, is it going to be another? 100? It's never satisfied. Never satisfied? There's no peace. Why? Because, family, there is no peace apart from Christ. None. And what an awesome peace it is. Because the peace that we receive from Christ is not a peace that's temporary. It's a peace that's eternal. And it will be forever. Dr. Kent Hughes, he writes this, but when a person finds peace with God through Christ, it is wonderful. Knowing that one's sins are forgiven and forgotten through Jesus Christ is the grandest knowledge one can have. The solid awareness that one is reconciled to God is joyfully sublime. Man, I love the way he said that. Knowing that is the greatest of knowledge that we could ever have. Dr. Hendrickson, he writes, a person who experiences within his own heart the peace of God that passes all understanding, the very peace which the gospel proclaims has been delivered of a great burden. Man, what a burden it is. Man, what a burden it is. And here's the thing. You know, I love to, to, to do like an interview or, or just kind of talk with individuals who are recent converts, like they recently became a Christian. And I would ask them like, yeah, you know, so when, when it became true and you believed that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the life, when God confirmed it and you repented and you believed that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God, was that an amazing experience for you? And they all say, oh yeah. And you know what the number one thing they say all the time is? I don't know what it was, Shane, but I was sitting there and it was just like a peace came over me. I don't know why. I don't know. They don't know how to describe it. They can't describe it. But the word that they use all the time is peace. I finally feel like I have peace in my life. I just felt a great peace come over me. It was like everything was calm, it was a real peace. You know what it is? There's nothing between me and God anymore. And I don't have to fight with Him anymore. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. So we think, oh, peace, yeah, that's, that's a good byproduct of Christianity. No, what we're trying to see here is peace, walking with peace is vital to a Christian. It's our lifeline. It's what's going to keep us steady when we have a battle. So it's not just a small thing. And what's amazing is that that's the first thing we experience when we become Christians. Peace. Don't we just need peace in our lives, man, to just be, you know what, everything is going to be all right. <laughs> and if you don't have the peace with Christ because you are not reconciled with God, I've got a feeling everything's not going to be all right for you. It's huge. It's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. And we've got to remember that. We've got to recognize and we've got to see that how important this actually is. We cannot Go through life without peace. We can't be victorious in battle without peace. We can't do what the Lord has called us to do without peace. God did not call us just to survive. Did you know that? He didn't call us just to survive. He called us to overcome. He called us to fight a battle and to actually win because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. Did you know Jesus said that? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So I want you to go out into all the world and make disciples and I like this because I want you guys to lose. I don't think that's what he said. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Why would he tell us to do that? Why would he set that up when he tells us to go make disciples? Because he intends for us to be victorious. He's telling you, hey, I'm in charge now. I'm in control of this. I want you to go out there and I want you to go make disciples of this world. He said that he has it all so that we know we'll never lose. His will will be done. So what's the issue here? What's the problem? The famous epigram, you guys have heard this, I'm sure, before. The cobbler's children have no shoes. Um, yeah, I know some of you are probably looking at me like, cobbler? You're talking about like, Peach cobbler? <laughs> what does peach cobbler have to do with shoes? <laughs> cobbler is another word for a shoemaker. This is a shoemaker. The shoemaker, his children, has no shoes. It expresses the irony of missing that which so surely ought to be ours because of our relationship and our position. Surely the children of a shoemaker would have shoes. Surely, if you are a Christian, you would have peace with God. The very thing Christ gave is the thing that we don't have. Surely, that's not true. But family... The tragic irony, the tragic irony, it's huge, the tragic irony, that many of us do not have the peace of God because we've probably in some way pushed it away in rebellion or pushed it away in neglect. We're finding temporary relief in this world and we think that this is actually peace, but it's not. And when it gets real, we become unglued. We unravel. And as a result, we're falling in battle. We bail, we fail, we're losing our struggles, we're, fa- we're failing our tests. And when times get rough, it's more common today for people to hit eject, to escape than to endure. When the going gets rough, we don't persevere, we panic. We don't fight, we flight. <laughs> Here's the other thing. But Shane, come on. It's just, you know, it's, it's my issue. It's something I got to deal with. It's something that the Lord is dealing with me on, you know. God will help me through this, all this stuff. Here's the issue. <laughs> we don't fight, we flight. We panic, we don't persevere. We don't endure, we escape. How would you like to go into battle and fight with that person? Yeah, look at all the Marines. The Marines are going. The Marines get this, they understand Army gets it too. Navy gets it too. The Air Force kind of gets it. Don't they kind of watch? I'm just kidding. No no, no, I'm just <laughs> Just kidding. You always got to poke at the Air Force, right? Here's the thing, family, do you want to go to battle with people like this? No, I want to go to battle with somebody. You're going to, as soon as the enemy shows up, they're going to take off running. I need them to watch my back and then I get stabbed in the back. Then I look at the person who was supposed to be protecting my back and I can't find him. How are we supposed to go into battle with people that do this? How are we supposed to go into battle and fight when people, with people who do not have the peace of God in our hearts? We Christians in our culture, we just don't. It just seems like today in our culture today, we just don't want to help anymore. It seems like Christians, we've taken a step back and we said, you know what? I just don't want to get involved. Many times I see Christians in society getting beat down, not physically, but beat down, you know, emotionally bent, you know, getting put down, getting persecuted by the world. And we just stand there and watch or even worse, we stand and we just walk away thinking, well, you know what? They're the ones that opened their mouths in the first place. They're just getting what they deserve. When Christians are persecuted, we think that it's their fault. It's their deserved persecution. Do you know I actually heard a Christian one time say something like this? You know what? This person is getting persecuted. The media is after them. Society's after them. They've been canceled by our culture. You know what? It's their own fault. They wanted to preach the gospel. They're just reaping the consequences now. Christians saying this about other Christians just don't want to get involved. Hey, they've been canceled. I don't want to get canceled too. I better not hang out with this individual. Yeah, we don't want to fight with those kinds of people. We don't want to go into battle with that. We are all supposed to be preaching the gospel We are all supposed to be preaching hope in this world. Are we ashamed of the gospel? Are we afraid of this world? Are we afraid of getting canceled by our culture? Paul, let me ask you this question. What would be worse, getting canceled by our culture or being condemned by God? Yeah, family, if that's the choice I got, cancel my subscription. I'll be canceled. Matter of fact, in a lot of ways, family, your pastor is canceled. A lot of the small outlets, a lot of the small outreaches, a lot of the small things that I'm doing, yeah, I'm getting canceled. Yeah, I'm a bigot. I, I'm, I'm delusional. I'm delusional. I, I call sin, sin. You know, one, one forum, you know, it was good talking about possibly doing a formal debate. They asked me if I thought homosexuality was a sin. You know what I said? Take a guess of what you think your pastor said. You know, we see this, right, in media. We see all these, these are le- quote-unquote leaders of Christianity in front of the camera in front of millions is homosexuality a sin well I'm not the person that's actually going to call this one who am i i'm not god look at me i'm not god i don't know i'm not the one that's going to place judgment upon these kinds of things it's a simple yes or no question i don't think it's a simple yes or no question i think there's a lot of factors involved i think the person the person's decision the color of their hair you know all that i mean they just start to go through all these kinds of things that factor into all of these decisions the interviewer is just like do you just not want to answer the question No, I think I answered the question. No, you didn't. Shane, pastor, Central Baptist Church. Is homosexuality a sin? I said yes. And because of that, they won't even let me into the forum anymore. Canceled, family. Canceled. Fine, fine, because here's the thing, family. I don't, I don't know why we as Christians, why are we so afraid of this world? What has the world done for me lately? What's the world done? Number one, the world hasn't done anything. Number two, the world can't do anything that I need the world to do. Oh, but you know, Shane, the world can cancel you. The world can shun you. The world can do all this stuff. No, this world will have no power over me unless it has been first given to them from above. They are not going to do anything to me unless God allows it. I am not afraid of the world. The world can ridicule me. The world can ridicule us. The world can threaten us with death. And we are still going to stand here and say, I will not bow down. Still standing here saying, I still believe Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And you know what? The world may even kill us. Did you know that? The world could even kill me. Somebody come in here, kill me, shoot me down dead. And you know what? I don't care. You know why? Because one day the trump of God is going to sound and the dead in Christ is going to rise up again and I am going to be walking on this earth, adjoining my Lord in the air, ruling and reigning with him for eternity. The world can't do nothing. Family, we have got Christian Christians, Christianity. Let's stop being afraid of the world. No more fear. Peace of God that transcends all understanding. Family, and we have peace because we know rising inflation, looming recession, that's not our unrest. Our real problem in life is not these circumstances that the world gives, the real problem is the wrath of God of judgment. That's the greatest tragedies for a person. What good is it to gain the whole world but lose your own soul? It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We've been warned time and time again in the scriptures, God is coming to judge. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one on earth who always does good and never sins. There is no one righteous. No, not one. We are all born children of wrath. We are by nature enemies of God, but our loving Heavenly Father sent us His one and only Son, a baby born in a manger in Bethlehem, our Savior, Christ the Lord. Family, yes, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased Man, Christ came into this world to seek and save that which was lost. That's why this season is great. We think this season is great because we get to open up presents and get all the things that we have on our wish list. But do we not understand that it's not the gift that we received under the Christmas tree, but it's the gift that we were given who died on the tree to give us life. And life more abundant. Man, I'm telling you, we have peace because Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Family, if that doesn't give you peace, then nothing will. Man, that's it. The peace of God we find only in Christ and in Christ alone. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Peace that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Family, we have life and life more abundant in Christ. We have peace. We have power. We have his love and fellowship. We can be ready. We can overcome. And this holiday season, we can rejoice for our King has come. O come, O come, Emmanuel. We sang it today. He has come. What an amazing thing he's done for all of us. The peace that he had given. And family, and it wasn't just us who rejoiced. The angels rejoiced as well. As they sang glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners are reconciled. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.